0: We've been in this series on the ins and outs of Christian community. And this series has been a really kind of fun series because a lot of this series was unplanned. Usually we're really intentional. The worship planning team, we get together and say, all right, what text uh, would be good for us to be working through or where are we as a congregation and what do we need to uh, be speaking on? And this one was kind of like a filler a little bit, not that it wasn't the the scripture that we needed to hear, but there wasn't real intentionality around the series. There was a couple uh, things that we thought we should teach on and we put a an umbrella over it called the In and Outs of Christian Community. As it turns out, God had another plan for, for this series, and it's been very, very appropriate. And uh, we've all seen that uh, it's lined up in many ways with things, uh, events that have been transparent, uh, transpiring in our church and everything. And so it's just been really cool. Uh, the first week we talked around uh, sin in the camp, which is that, uh, you know, even when the stuff that's going on in our lives that isn't pleasing to God isn't directly uh, offensive to another person, it still has effects whether we recognize it or not. It, it, it creates drag in the community and we showed how that works. And then the, the second week we talked about how in, we're, it was called committed to care. And when we live in a culture that's built upon independence and self-reliance, we kind of live as exiles because the Christian faith is built on interdependence and not self-reliance, but on God-dependence. And so we, in many ways, are like a people in exile. And learning to still be engaged in the community and create space in our lives to actually care for other individuals and be connected when we're in a culture that teaches independence and self-reliance is something that we have to be intentional about, and it's committing to care. And then last week, Josh talked about... Uh, the Good Samaritan, and he talked in particular when it comes to our caring for the community, that this can't be just a checking the box that we care, or we have to have a reaction where we actually care. And he, he used some crazy Greek word I don't even remember what that word is. Josh probably had to run out to do something. See, are you in here right now? No. Okay, that was that was like a, a 15 syllable Greek word or something, you know, that talked about when our guts turn toward another person you know, and uh, and how uh, we need to be uh, captured by another's needs and that we God has to cultivate in us that desire for other people, uh, a really important word for us to hear in the community these days. And uh, so today we're talking about the chicken or the egg. And what that is today is that, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, there was this moment where Israel was wandering through the wilderness and they would have a cloud to guide them and a pillar of fire to guide them. And they would travel for a while, and then they'd set up camp. And there was this blessing that they would always ask for, that God would be with them in their going out and in their coming in. And they're going out and in their coming in. And that was actually the inspiration for the series, the ins and outs of community. That's actually what I wanted to talk about throughout this whole thing, was that when we go out as a community and do what God's called us to do, and when we come in and gather together, that God would be with us. And how does that work out? You know, there's actually kind of a tension between going out and doing things and coming in. When you go to work, but you want to come home and be with the family, there's a balance and attention. You, you don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul. You know it, We want there to be health in the way that we go out and in the way that we come in. As a church, there's missions, there's things that God calls us to, things that we do, but then we're also a family and a body. And what's the balance between Christian community and, and the work of the mission and how do we live within that in our personal lives and in our corporate life together? And so that was the idea. So uh, that's what we're talking about today for just a few minutes. And... Um, We're going to dive into it, but our text, uh, interestingly, is Psalm 100 today. Okay, so why don't you stand with me in honor of God's word, and we will read Psalm 100 out of the ESV. Some of you grew up in school, where you quoted this uh, in the mornings, possibly at school, even in public school when you were a kid, because we're in the first service. Come on, rim shot. (laughs) That was low blow. I know I'm going to be in trouble for that one. Yeah, okay. (laughs) <laughs> Psalm 100. So uh, you could probably uh, quote this, some of you, except it's in the ESV, which might be different than what you learned it in. Maybe you learned it in the uh, King James, probably, because we're in the first service. Ah! <laughs> all right, so uh, Psalm 100, let's say it together. Normally I read it for us, but let's say it together. You can read from the screen if you don't have an ESV Bible, okay? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. and his faithfulness to all generations. God bless the reading of his word right here in church, where it should be read for sure. All right, you can have a seat. Join me in prayer. God, we thank you and praise you. Uh, you know, this is a good day. This is a day that you've made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And right here we say, we, we understand from this text that we are your people. That we are not our own people, we are your people, and we are the sheep of your pasture. And so today, when we come to church, we don't come with our own intentions, hopefully, that's not our desire. Our desire is to come for your intentions, because you're God, and we're here to honor you, and you bless us, and you provide for us, so we want to come back and bring honor to you, and to receive from you today. So God, I ask that you would help us to receive all that, that you have for us today. Our ears and our hearts want to be attentive to everything you have for us, in the name of Jesus, amen. So, uh, when I was a kid, we didn't have TV. Um, we didn't watch TV at our house, okay. And so, when I was at a friend's house, or when I was at a relative's house, if the TV was on, I was locked on, okay. I was I was a TV junkie. If I wasn't at home, and it didn't really matter what it was. It could be the evening news, you know, or it could be professional golf. I didn't care about golf. It could be Sally Jesse Raphael. I didn't care. You know, <laughs> it was, it was TV and I was locked on when I was somewhere where the TV was on. And I remember one time, I don't remember where I was, but this movie came on and it was a movie from like the early 60s. Um, and at the time that was an older movie, even when I was a child, it was uh, an older movie. And there, and there was this movie from the 60s with, uh, it starred some guy named Rocky, something not not Balboa no no a real actor i forget what his name was anyway um, the 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 um the name of the movie was a man's favorite sport i believe um, question mark and it was about this guy who was an expert in fishing Okay, And so he, he wrote all sorts of books about fishing, and people would come to consult with him about fishing from all over the world to come learn about sport fishing uh, from this guy. But then something happened. He got entered into a fishing contest, and it turned out this guy had never gone fishing one day in his life prior to this. That he was the expert in fishing, but he had never been fishing. So now that he got entered into the fishing contest, he had to take all this theory that was in his head and try to figure out how to make it a reality. And it was a total disaster. I mean, his lines were always getting tangled. And he ended up by accident catching this monstrous fish, of course, that gets off the line and all of that. And I remember being completely transfixed by this movie, you know, and and just the plot of someone who knew everything and yet couldn't embody the reality of it. Have you ever had someone try to sell you something and it seems like they know a lot about this topic? But I don't think they actually embody the topic. Go to the health store and eating a cheesecake, smoking a pack of cigarettes and telling you what keeps you healthy. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, you know that. um, and, And there's there's something that can happen in our faith that's very similar to that, where we can have a lot of knowledge about the faith, know the book, have experiences, all of that. And yet we don't necessarily embody the gospel that we teach and that we profess. And, you know, I, there was a, there was a moment where I had a, I had a friend who we were, we were pretty good friends. And uh, yet, I, you know, I don't think I dealt with the friendship the way I should have. And at one point the, the friendship really started to go south. Um, and w- in the process, I, I had to just say to the person, you know, I'm really sorry. I've bailed on this. I haven't been nearly as attentive or caring as I should be in this thing. I've been pretty selfish. I, I, want you to know something. This person didn't, uh, under, know the scriptures, didn't understand the gospel, didn't necessarily have a living relationship with the Lord. And, you know, as I had talked to them about my own faith and everything, I said, all the things that we've talked about previously, don't hold my lifestyle. It, it don't, don't filter that through my failures. You know, <laughs> please, cause the stuff's actually right. <laughs> I'm just a mess, you know, and that's not really always fair to ask of people, although we do have to ask it of people all the time because we are failures. We mess up. You know, we can't embody all that we believe. And so we speak truth, but we don't always live by truth. And so there's a level of hypocrisy within all of us, you know, and, and that's the way it works. However, it's not really fair to live completely and totally apart from the truths of Scripture and apart from the gospel and then communicate that gospel and expect people to actually be able to receive it as Gospel truth, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. So uh, th- this is this is why in the Christian faith, there's always this question around when the world at large looks at the Christian faith. The biggest struggle, of course, at looking at the Christian faith is looking at Christians. You know, it's not about necessarily as much always about the Scripture. It's not as much, but it's about the tension of those of us who profess the faith, faith but have a hard time living within it and so one of the things that we can do in reaction to that is we have a tendency to say, well then I better fix my life so that it matches the message that I teach you know and so that would be uh, management coming to the health store and saying you can't smoke outside the health store you can't eat cheesesteaks at the health store you know managing the, the behavior in order to show that, that we are actually experts in what it is that we're talking about but the, there's a much bigger danger than the incongruency of our lives and the and the words that we profess. There's a much bigger incongruency, and that's that we may have a theology. We may have a gospel. We may have truth that we teach that we're not fully realizing in our own life. And that's sad. It's sad that if there is truth that sets us free as people and allows us to live the abundant life, and yet we still live kind of chained, you know? And we still live stuck, And we still live not fulfilled. And while that may look incongruent to others, what's worse is is that we're not experiencing the fullness of the gospel in our own life. And and in 1 Peter 1, 8, 9, this is in the, the NIV. It says this. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now listen to this. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Look at that for a second, because this word, that's the ESV. Sorry, I just read out of the NIV. I pulled a switcheroo on you. Um, but the, the uh, obtaining the outcome of your faith, obtaining or receiving based on which, there it is in NIV. You are good, buddy. Jimmy Fallon's gonna come and take you for the tonight show if you keep that up. Receiving the goal of your faith. Obtaining the goal of your faith. So what that word, receiving or obtaining, what's going on right there is that's present, right? That's, I'm in the process of receiving this right now. What happens when it comes to the gospel message, the gospel message we've heard taught from the scriptures and we know is present within the scriptures is that because of the blood of Jesus, and if we trust in the blood of Jesus, not in our own works or not in our own faithfulness, if we trust in the blood of Jesus, our eternal destination is in the hands of God, not in our own hands. And that's why we trust in the blood of Jesus. But this is talking about something that's not in the future. This is talking about something that's in the present. We are currently receiving the goal of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. So our souls are currently being saved right now as we speak. This isn't talking about eternal destination. This isn't talking about heaven or hell. This is talking about our souls being preserved from the lies that would keep us chained. There are lies that would hurt our community. There are lies that can hurt our own psyche and our own souls. And God wants to set us free from those things. And he wants us to live in the fullness of of the reality of his gospel, if this is a gospel that brings peace and brings joy, then I want to receive the goal of my faith here and now. I want to live in peace and I want to live in joy. And I want this community to live in love. We want our families to live in love. And this is saying that we can be receiving the goal of our faith currently right here and right now, because the messages that caused me to be afraid, The messages that cause me to be in constant competition with others. The messages that that cause me to, to crave this or covet that or all those different things that make me feel unhealthy underneath. God has a gospel that can fill me up with health and that can change the way I engage my life. And I can receive the goal of my faith, not just in eternity, but I can receive it right here and right now. And this is what it's saying. And so this is why when we see an incongruency between the gospel message that is professed and proclaimed by Christianity versus the life that we live, the biggest concern is this, is that we are not taking this thing for all that it's worth. We're not getting in the car and driving it. We're looking at the models and showing the stats and saying, this car is a great car, but we're not experiencing the thrill of the ride. You know, we're not getting in the car and driving it. Okay, so this is, I think there's a couple reasons why this happens, and I want to look at these couple reasons. Um, One is I, I think we just sometimes get confused about what God really wants from us. That's what I think, is we get confused, according to the Scriptures, what does God actually want from us? What does he expect from the church? Who are we? All right, so let's look at that. Let's revisit that a little bit. The mission of the church. What's the mission of the church? To make disciples in Matthew twenty eight, there's this thing called the Great Commission. Yeah, the mission co mission, mission we do with God. Okay, and that's to make disciples of all nations. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all I've commanded them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that process we recognize that there is a reproductive factor in the church that we are called to reproduce, to make disciples. Now, of course, that can, that's really been dirtied in our world because that's proselytization, that's forcing things down people's throats. But assume that the gospel is actually something that sets people free. Assume for a second that this is a, a, a vaccine that gives health from from the stuff that, that haunts us. And then the proclamation of that, the delivery of that is a beautiful thing, not a forced thing, not trying to get people on our team. It's speaking truth that helps people, that sets people free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's the, that's the reproductive factor. In the Old Testament, there was reproduction that was a, a mission too. That was physical reproduction. He said to Noah, go and fill the earth. Your job is to have kids. In the New Testament, it's Go and fill the earth with spiritual disciples, kids of Christ, you know, those who have learned the joy of walking with Christ. And so that's the mission of the church. Now, if we proclaim the mission of the church and we work at speaking the gospel, but we ourselves don't experience the gospel, then that's exactly like the, the man who's the expert fisherman uh, but has never actually fished. Right, And so I don't have joy in my life, I don't have peace in my life, my relationships are in turmoil, I struggle, I'm not happy, I'm depressed, I'm afraid, all that stuff, but I'm telling other people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a little bit incongruent. right? And, and the, see, what happens there is when we think what God actually wants from us is that he needs us to tell other people about him as if he couldn't do that on his own. That's not the way this works. The Great Commission, the word co is really important. When it comes, this is not just the great mission. This is the great co-mission. This is when Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. See, the whole point of the of the mission is not we need to build the church and grow the church and get it big and make other people believe this so that we can feel good about ourselves. God won't be impressed with us making disciples. You know, the whole point is, is that God invites us into a process with him like a father taking his son and working on a project and teaching him all sorts of things in the process. And so as we learn to share the truth and as we learn to speak truth with one another and 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 have conversations with people about what sets us free, what works, you know, how to, in that process, we're learning to know Jesus. So it's come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That starts with come follow me. It doesn't start with. Go be a fisher of men. He's the one who makes us fishers of men. Our job is to follow him. right? So we, when we get misplaced that way, then it's like someone who's selling something that they don't actually have underneath. Second thing is this, is that we also recognize that in the New Testament when people were invited into the gospel, they weren't just invited into a doctrine or a truth. They were invited into a community. Remember in Acts chapter 2 when it says they met together in each other's homes and they broke bread and they had fellowship and they listened to the apostles' teaching and all of these things, and then it says at the end of it, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And what that's saying is added to their number. That's not just check. There was some disciple. You know, what it meant was there was people who were joining in this community of people who were finding themselves underneath of God's blessing. You know, And then they could just invite people into it. It wasn't a process of, here's a doctrine, believe this. It was, come be a part of a community of people who are following after God. And yes, the doctrines are what we build our faith upon. And so the atonement of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, is central to what brings us together and how we relate to God. But there was a community there to invite people into, to experience the gospel. So instead of someone just writing a book about going fishing, they were saying, Come out with my buddies and let's go fishing. And when I see you using the wrong test line, I'll help you out and we'll set the test better and you'll learn to fish. But the point wasn't just about hooking the next fish. The point was also about enjoying it together and the whole process. And when it comes to the faith community, that's the whole point is that part of this is about not just going out. It's also about coming in and being a family. We're not just a business. God doesn't need us to just check boxes. We're also a family. But here's where that goes wrong. And where that goes wrong is when we work really hard at trying to be what it is that God wants us to be, a Christian community, and yet it becomes more about us, and it becomes kind of our own little social club, you know what I mean? And we hang out together, and we work on the relationships and all of that, and, and we spend time together, and we try to be holy and, and everything, but it, it really can become detached still from God because this is what, this is what he says to us. This is how they will know that you are my disciples. This is John chapter 13. He says, all men will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. So when you love one, and then we work really hard at loving one another because we realize the fruit of the spirit is love. So if I want to be healthy, then I got to work at love in my life. And if we're a good Christian community, then we have to work really hard at loving one another. And so we work very, very diligently at trying to love one another. But he says, you love because what? Because I first loved you. And so here's the deal. Is I can go out and proclaim gospel, but unless I can embody gospel, it doesn't really matter. And then I can try to embody gospel by saying we're a community who's working really hard at loving each other and being holy and 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 all of that. But it doesn't actually work out because we're fallen. The only way that we can actually love is because he first loves us. Which leads us that it's not just whether or not we're being about the community or whether or not we're being about the mission, that's the chicken or the egg, whether we're going out or coming in. Before there was a chicken and before there was an egg, there was God, okay? And it doesn't matter whether God creates an egg or whether God creates a chicken. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that there's God. And if we want more of God's goodness, we don't go to work really hard at mission or to work really hard at community. What we do is we follow hard after God. That's what we do, because bigger than a mission and bigger than the fruits is the core of the church, which is the purpose of the church, which is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We were created to enjoy a deep, abiding relationship with God, and the second that we move beyond that relationship and still try to preach mission and still try to be the community, we instantly step into hypocrisy. Because we don't have the ability to be a loving community without submitting to our Father God and receiving the love that we need from Him. Because we love only because He first loved us. And we don't have the ability to proclaim a message and not have it be incongruent with our lives unless He is going with us in that mission, speaking the words through us, and that we can embody that in such a way that says we've believed in this gospel too. So our goal, our primary goal, is not to make disciples Neither is our primary goal to live as a great community of a a nice church together. Our goal is to know and love God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And that starts not with our love for him, but it starts with his love for us. See, and this is where it comes down to health in the community. If we're going to be a healthy community, if we're going to be healthy Christians, it starts with any kind of health. It starts with what you eat and how much sleep you get. You know, that's what it starts with. And clearly in the scriptures, the body of Christ is no different. It's about what we're consuming and it's about what we're resting in. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know. What is it that we're receiving? The covenant relationship we have is this crazy thing that Jesus says in John chapter 6. And half the people who are with him at least seem to leave because he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And then at the covenant, you know, when he's sitting at the table at at the last supper, he breaks the bread and he says, this is my body. This is my blood. This is the new covenant. See, we have this misconception, this religious misconception, that God wants us to go out and do this for him, and then he'll be impressed. Or he wants us to live like this, and then he'll be impressed. But see, here's what God wants us to know. He says, come unto me, all you who are thirsty, and you will find living water. Come unto me, all you who are tired, and I will give you rest. See, it's not about what we provide God. God doesn't need anything from us. It's about what we receive from him. He calls us to come and eat. In Isaiah, he says, why do you spend your money on what doesn't satisfy? Come to me and I will give you the richest of fare and you will drink the finest of wine. Come unto me. Come unto me. The center of the gospel, the core of what it is that we are called to do as a church and what it is that we are called to do as people is to consume Jesus, to consume Christ, to love him with everything inside of us and to receive from him what it is that he has for us. Now here's, of course, the cultural problem is that we live in a consumer culture right now right? And this is it. We live in a place where we run around and it's about me and every commercial we'll see tonight. Not only will it make us laugh and laugh because we're watching Super Bowl commercials, but the other thing it'll do is it will tell us that our life will be better if we grab a hold of that product. And there is one choice that we have to make in our faith. And that's to say that there is only one product that will satisfy me and I will shape my life around finding that product. And it is the power and the presence of the living God in my life. And I can only access it because of the blood of Jesus, not out of my own good works and not out of things that I've done. But if I will make my pursuit to know and receive that love of God, then he'll make us love. We love because he first loves us. See, this is what second Corinthians chapter three says in chapter four and says that we're all clay pots. And that those clay pots are supposed to be filled up with the power and presence of God. And when they do, they overflow and become the glory of God to other people. And if we want to see a message, if we want to see a message that, that reveals the power and presence of God, then we find a person who has learned to satisfy themselves in Christ alone. And they have joy. And they have love. And you know these people. You are them. Some of them, (laughs) right? And to a degree, we all are as we pursue Christ. When we pursue him and when we eat of Christ, we find ourselves satisfied. And then when we find our hearts and our minds wandering to other things that we're yearning for and all of that, we find ourselves a little less satisfied in time. And then we get depressed. And then we say, oh, God doesn't like me. I better go and make disciples. Or I better go and be more holy so that God likes me again. (laughs) Instead of receiving the blood of Christ being forgiven, practicing that presence of God. So as a church, you know, we live in the middle of a, we don't live in the ideal world of, of uh, the Garden of Eden anymore. And so hanging out with God isn't as easy as it used to be. We live in a world where there's all sorts of tension, all sorts of turmoil, our relationships, our workplaces. Th- th- we, we don't work to just balance all that. So, so then it puts us in a complicated place. But God does tell us that he will prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That that rest for us, that food for us, is right there in the midst of our struggle. King David, you know, one of the one of those uh, just amazing figures in the Scripture who we've looked at. Uh, we just had that series with him. There's this moment where David, he goes up in front of Goliath, and uh, you know, one of the best stories in all of Scripture. And here is David with just bold, bold confidence. This little kid with gigantic confidence. And how is this guy gonna conquer? this massive giant. And he says, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord almighty. What what David understands is that if God is with us, who can be against us? And if we continue to practice that presence, there is no enemy in front of us. There is no mountain in front of us that we can't conquer. And so that mission that he's called us to and that community that he's called us to be, it'll happen if we do one thing, which is consistently pursue that relationship with jesus someone said to me this week uh, i I forgot about this phrase you ever heard if you go fishing for moby dick don't forget to bring the tartar sauce heard that phrase and uh it's it's a there's there's a sense in which if we are expecting god to be powerful and profound in our lives then whatever it is we go after we should have confidence that if god is with us it's going to be okay I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm I'm fulfilling the mission. I don't have to worry so much about whether or not we're being the people we're supposed to be. What I have to do is I have to pursue and consume Christ. And the more that that relationship is solid in my life, the more confidence I have when I go into a place where I'm speaking about the truth of Scripture. And the more confidence I have to not be rattled by a brother or sister in Christ who treats me inappropriately. I can easily extend forgiveness to them because I have the power and presence of God in my life. So there's one practice of the church that we need to bet on at Parker Ford Church. We need to bet. You know, we say that our mission is people following Christ in three directions, right? What are the three directions? Up, in, and out. We follow Christ when we go up in that direct relationship with him, in with the community, when we build those relationships together, our relationship with the community, and out in our relationships with those outside the community and how we uh, interact with them. And in all those ways, we are following Christ. And yet, when it comes to the up, that is the direct relationship to God. That's our prayer life. That's our personal disciplines. That's when we come together and worship. This is the centerpiece for us. And so when we walk into church together, we understand we enter these gates with thanksgiving already in our hearts. It is game time when we come in here because we are coming to connect with God. Okay? Okay? And that's the center of what we're about. And when I wake up in the morning, there are all sorts of demands on my time and my life and all sorts of things I desire. But I understand, I'm gonna get up in the morning and I'm gonna say, today is the day the Lord has made. And I'm going to get in the word and I'm going to find God and I'm going to get into prayer and I'm going to know Jesus. And when I go through the rest of this day, Moby Dick might be in front of me, but I'm bringing the tartar sauce because God is already with me. And so nothing's going to be able to stand against me. And God will shift my heart and change my mind about everything else in the scriptures and everything else in the community and everything else in my life. If I will continue to make him number one priority tonight. Tonight. There's a game that's going to be played between an orange team and a blue team. The orange team has the best offense in the NFL, and the blue team has the best defense in the NFL. Should be a fun game to watch for those of you who enjoy watching football. If those teams made it to the Super Bowl, and then at the last minute they decide to change their game plan and play a game that's not theirs, it's not going to go well for them, you know? And sometimes we try to fulfill things in our Christian life by fudging it, you know? I'll do this to try to... Fulfill the mission or i'll come over here and try to do this in order to be holy in front of god But it never works We got to stick with the game plan and the game plan is simple. There's only one thing we have god I'm a sinner and I need you and I know that you forgive me and I know that you love me And so I just want to experience Your love and i'm going to work at experiencing more and more of your love and the more I work at that One simple thing The more the rest of it will change Okay, and so let's not make the game more complicated than it needs to be we might not be you know, geniuses about how to spread the gospel or, or super disciplined people who figure out how to love each other right and get, you know, figure out how to do community right. What we can do is we can figure out how to love God. If you need help with that, you remember back on the, on the welcome table, there's that booklet on personal practices in pursuit of God to help us in our personal lives, in our engagement with God. And as a church, it means that when we come together. We, we're here not just for what we receive from each other, but for primarily what we receive together from God. Okay, that's why we come to the table, Psalter table. That's why we come. All right, let's pray.